good to see everybody in a warm spot this morning. Whoa, buddy, it's wintertime. Um, we will be on our reading out of uh, Romans this morning. 1297 is the page number. 1297 is the page in the Bible, Romans 5. Uh, real quick, um, we're continuing to remember Allie. Now we know she's gone to rehab now, and she's got a lot of work to do there, I'm sure. But at least she's gone to the next step. And um, Nelson Sr., Nelson Covert. He is still in ICU uh, with uh, heart issues and breathing issues, so uh, we continue to lift up uh, Nelson Kareem, of course, and the family. And Bob lost a good friend uh, the last few days, and we'll pray for our brother Bob. Friend's wife, I'm sorry, friend's wife, yeah. So we'll keep that uh, family in our prayers, and for Bob, lost, lost a good friend. So uh, we're going to be... The Lord's got me going through Romans again, and Romans is so full. Uh, we've been studying in Romans in church, and so he's got me going back through Romans. I guess he thinks I didn't get it the first time. But anyway, uh, it's just so rich. Uh, Romans 5, 1 through 5 is what we're reading this morning. <clears throat> Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into, his, into this grace in which we stand, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, who was given to us. Amen. Let's pray this morning. <clears throat> Father, we bless you for a place to come and worship you, Lord, that you have provided. And while that song is such a reminder of your goodness, uh, you are such a good God. And uh, we just pray, God, you continue to lead and direct all of us as we try to walk through uh, this life here, that you have you've put us here for a reason. And Lord, I pray that we can glorify you in all that we do and bring glory to your name in the way we live this life. I thank you for... <clears throat> for the blessings we can even see in that song, Lord Jesus, that your goodness is always there. If we'll just turn to you in all things, God. Uh, I do lift up these, Lord, that are having health issues, Lord. You are the one we have seen provide physical and spiritual healings over and over and over. So we lift up Allie. We lift up uh, Nelson Sr. and this family, Lord, that uh, Bob's friend that lost his wife, Lord. I just pray, God, that you would give him a peace uh, and a warmth that only comes from your spirit, Jesus, and his loss. And uh, we bless you for, Lord, what you have for us today. We come hungry every week to hear your word. So, Lord, I pray, God, that your truth be heard by our hearts and that we are, Lord, always we come before you to praise you. Give us the hearts that would bow before you and Lord, just acknowledge the mighty Lord of lords and King of kings, heavenly God that you are. Thank you for this time together. We love you, Lord, and we pray, God, that you would be, um, be here in spirit, Lord, as we meet together today. Lead us as we uh, learn, as we hear your word, and as we cry out to you in praise and worship. In your holy name we pray these things. Amen.
Good morning. Well, what wonderful praises this morning. We were able to join the place of song and, and lift up God's glory and praise. And I love that last song. Um, reminds us of the message today, the, the place I believe that God is truly calling us to be and, and this place of standing on holy ground. And when I was talking to the Lord this morning about a title for our message today, the first title I heard was uh, Conduct for a Believer. And that's a, a good title. And then later I kind of heard Living Sacrificially, and I thought, that's a good title. <laughs> and then when um, I heard that song... <clears throat> being played right there, I thought, yes, standing on holy ground. That's truly the call. Paul says, I believe it's in um, Ephesians, he said, to be worthy of the call. And that's where I believe we want to come today, that we would come seeking to be worthy of the call. And... Um, so if you'll open, we're going to be in Romans 12. We've been in Romans for about nine months. I think this is the ninth month, but we're on page 1305, Romans 12. And we've been in Romans 12 the last couple of weeks, but uh, hopefully we'll finish it up today. If not, we'll finish it up when the Lord decides. So, <laughs> so. As you remember, Romans is about redemption and God's plan to make man righteous before a holy God. And last week we talked a little bit about holiness and what that word means, and it means to be set apart. And when we think about being set apart, it doesn't seem like that great of a word sometimes to us, but I want you to really over the next few weeks and days and months to just think about that place where God is set apart from everything. He is so holy. He is set apart from everything. And I think that is a, a great understanding. Sometimes we try to put it into purity, and whereas he is pure and he is good and he is kind, he is all of these things, but he is set apart from everything everything that we can know or imagine. And that's the place that Paul is writing in chapter 12 to believers. He's saying, because of all the great things that God has done for you through this plan of redemption, through this way of making you righteous in right standing with a holy God, because of all of this, he starts out, and we've read this a couple of weeks, but I want to read it again to help us to remember where we are. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? 
So as we've talked about last week, Paul is calling us that because of this good, the goodness of God and what he's done through his plan, that we are to present our bodies this living sacrifice. And in this living sacrifice, Paul begins to break this down to help us to understand that we are not to, to conform to the world. We're not to be like the world. But we are to be transformed. And we studied that last week, transformed by the renewing of our mind. And God led us to understand that the way we walk into this place of being transformed is to be sanctified, set apart. That's what sanctified means. Sanctified by his word, and his word is truth. So today, Paul is going to continue to tell us what it looks like to live in a way that we recognize all that God has done for us, and we come as a living sacrifice, offering up our bodies in this, in this way, and he's going to continue. So starting in verse 3, he says, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So first of all, Paul is saying, don't let you, don't be haughty, don't be boastful, don't think of yourself more highly. He's given each one a measurement of faith, a place to come and to see what he is doing in your life according to what he has given to you. And then verse 4 says, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individual members of, an, of one another. So he says we're all one body. As a body has a hand and a foot, they're not the same, but both of them have functions. And he's saying each one of us has been given the faith to walk into what God has called us to be in his purpose in this body. <clears throat> so verse 6 says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. So according to the grace that he's given each one of us, let us use them. And the first one he says is, if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. And so this is a place that I want to spend just a little bit of time this morning talking about this word prophecy. When I grew up, our church, I don't think, ever talked about prophecy as far as the New Testament believers. We talked about prophecy from the standpoint of the Bible, prophesying of what was coming and prophesying of the things of Jesus. And we talked in those terms, but we didn't really talk about what Paul is talking about right here, that there are gifts given and some of them are prophecy. And to let us prophesy in the portion to our faith. So prophesy 
to prophesy, prophecy. I want to look at some scriptures here and kind of develop some understanding of what prophecy is. And let's start in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians. It's on page 1323. 1 Corinthians 14, page uh, 1323. Paul talks about prophecy in Romans and in Corinthians and a little bit in 2 Peter. But the majority of his um, direction for this place comes out of Corinthians. So we're going to look back to Corinthians to help us to understand exactly what Paul is saying here. So looking at verse 29... Um, 29. Oh, no, I'm sorry, I don't want to start there. I want to start in verse 39. I want to start in verse 39 because I believe this is the place that we need to grab hold of to look at the rest of it. So Paul is writing, and he says, Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy, and do not forbid to speak with tongues. We're not going to talk about the gift of speaking in tongues today, but we are going to talk about this place of prophesying. And Paul is saying here, he's saying, brethren, he's talking to the church, he's talking to believers, he's talking to brothers and sisters in Christ. And he is saying, I declare to you, I'm so, no, I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong place. Brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy. Now this is a place that he's not making a suggestion. He's not saying this would be a good idea. He's not saying to just some of you, but he's speaking to the whole church at Corinth. And he's saying you should desire earnestly, heartfelt, strongly to prophesy. Well, that's a word that is kind of scary to us sometimes because we're not quite sure what that all means. But Paul goes on and he helps us to understand. So looking across the page, let's start in um, actually one page over uh, chapter 14, verse 1. So turn back a page. Paul is writing in chapter 12, chapter 13, and chapter 14 about the spiritual gifts that are given through the Holy Spirit. And he writes in verse 14, he says, Pursue love. Love is a spiritual gift. And he's saying, Pursue love. Now, nobody would have any problem with that. I don't care what church you're in, everybody would be, Yes, we're for love. But then he says, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Now this place, gifts, we've talked about this before, doesn't really exactly, it's not exactly the word gifts, it's really the word spiritual. It's He's saying desire to walk in this place of the spiritual world 
in this place of a gift, this place of being spiritual. And he's saying, but especially that you may prophesy. So I wondered if we just went around and asked everybody, if the last few weeks or months, has it been on your heart and in your prayer that you've been praying to God that he would help you prophesy? I don't think so. Now, oftentimes we pray that God would help us to be more loving, right? And more compassionate and more caring. But how many times in your spiritual walk have you actually come to Jesus and said, Lord, I want to prophesy? How many of you think that sounds a little scary? Yeah, okay, I appreciate your honesty. Yeah, see, some of you are like, yes, but I wasn't going to raise my hand. But, <laughs> but it does. But I'm telling you, it sounds that way because we don't understand what it is. So I want us today to understand why Paul is so eagerly trying to help this group of people, the church, understand prophecy. Now turn your page, and on uh, chapter 14, verse 2, he says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to man but to God, for no one understands him. Uh, however, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. So that's talking about a prayer language of tongues. And, and maybe one day we'll teach on that again too. But listen to verse 3. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. This is why Paul is saying everyone that's in the body of the church should desire to prophesy according to the faith that God has given him, that measure of faith. So he's not calling you to be something that you're not given the ability to do. Hmm. You see, we wrote, or we wrote, Paul wrote, we read over in Romans that it said that God has given each one of us, everyone, a measure of faith. Do you remember that? In Romans 12, hold your marker here. Let's go back and look at that. I want you to see it's true. So go back to page 1305, Romans 12. And put your marker there because we're going to come back to this several times. But in chapter 12 there, verse 3, it says, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. So he's saying, don't get boastful about this place, but be sober about this. As God has dealt to each one a measure of, of faith. A measure of faith. To what? To work out what he's about to talk to. For as 
we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one in body in Christ and individual members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. That grace that is given to us is what he's talking about, a measure of faith. So every single one of you has been given a measure of faith to walk out the gifts that God is using in your life. And the very first one he talks about is to, if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Then Paul comes over here in Corinthians and he's saying, you know, uh, in that 39 we read, I eagerly, uh, uh, no, earnestly, I'm sorry, I desire earnestly that you, that you would all prophesy. And then he comes over here in verse 3 of chapter 14 and he says, now, you know, let's talk about what prophecy is. But he who prophesies speaks edification. So edification is not a word we use a whole lot around here. And, uh, but I, so I want us to, I looked up these words to give you exactly what the meaning was to Paul. So edification means instruction. Instruction. Paul is saying, I, I want you to all prophesy. I want you to all be able to come and participate in this place. And, and he says the first thing that prophecy does is edification. It gives instruction. Some might even uh, say it's constructive criticism. So sometimes Paul says God is going to give you a hard word that you might have to bring to your friend, but it is out of love that your heart would bring the heart of God to your friend and say, you're not walking in the fullness that God has for you. You've stumbled. You're off of the path. You're not in the place. And God would give you the words and the heart and the love to confront your brother because that is the greatest love, I want to tell you. To help your brother remain on the path. It builds up. So if you look up this word edification, the first thing you're going to see is that it says it builds up. And so a lot of people will tell you that what this means is, is that it's always saying good, warm, fuzzy things to everybody you see. That is not what this word intends to bring. It, edification does not mean that we always come to every single person and just go, oh my goodness, you're such a great person and everybody loves you and we're just having such a great day. That is not what Paul is doing. That doesn't help anybody. That doesn't truly build anybody up. But oftentimes it is taught that way, that you only say things that are fun to hear and good to somebody. I've actually sat in conferences where I've heard pastors say, you're only going to say something good to somebody. And that's what prophecy is. That is not what building up is. 
Because if you're walking in darkness and nobody tells you, you're not going to be built up. You're going to be being destroyed. Being built up. Building someone up is coming in love with constructive instruction and truth that helps them to be built up to be the dwelling place of God. When your heart is to talk to someone because God has sent you, and we're going to talk about that, this place has to be your heart wanting them to be built up in such a way that this is the dwelling place of God. Edification. It promotes growth in holiness, in wisdom, in godly wisdom, and in truth. Edification, it promotes growth in holiness, in godly wisdom, and in truth. That's exhortation. I'm sorry, that's edification. The next one Paul has is exhortation. Exhortation is exactly what it sounds like. It is encouragement. That is a place of encouragement. And we all need encouragement from time to time in our spiritual walk. This is a time that God often uses the, someone in the body to go to someone and encourage them in their spiritual difficulties and when there's battles and when there's things going on and to lift you up in a way that would be encouragement. And then the next one is comfort, which is strengthening someone that is suffering, consoling someone as they're going through difficult places. Now, all of these places that Paul is saying that he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. You see, Paul is saying, I want you to desire this gift because these are the things it does. It instructs, it encourages, and it comforts and strengthens. But now I want to tell you one thing, is that these gifts, let me see, I'm going to take you back to, I'm going to take you back to, to, to Romans. Let me see if I can find, maybe it's not Romans, yeah? Um, so, okay, verse 6 in Romans 12, it says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to the faith. What I want you to see is these gifts are given from God. 
this is not something that you decide, I think I will have prophecy. Paul is saying you should desire, you should earnestly desire prophecy, but it doesn't say you should just decide to have prophecy. Because prophecy is going to be used as God chooses in his perfect will, as are all the gifts that God gives. All the gifts that God uses are given through him to you, to us, that we might use them to edify the body of the believers. To edify the church. To encourage the church. To strengthen the church. To instruct the church. So prophecy is not something that can be taught. There was a time in my life when I had been to conferences trying to understand some of the workings of, of God's spiritual gifts and what this truly meant. And what I look back on now is troubling to me because what was being taught is that we can teach you how to prophesy. And people would pray that the, the whole church would get a, a word from God and that they would begin to prophesy. There's not any place in the Bible that Paul writes or Jesus teaches that this is the way prophecy will happen. Prophecy, and I, and I wrote this down as God was kind of telling me what to write down. I want you to hear me clearly. When you look up prophecy, what it says is speaking forth or foretelling. Speaking forth or foretelling. And th there is truth in that, that it can be speaking forth and it can be foretelling. But out of this understanding, what we come away with is that prophecy is always about somebody who got a vision or a word about something that's happening in the future. That doesn't fit any of the description that we just read. Is that an, does everybody agree with that? So prophecy can be seen in two places. Prophecy can be seen in people that God is working out the gift of prophecy to prophesy or it can be seen in a prophet that is also prophesying and also oftentimes foretelling. So in the Old Testament, we saw people prophesying all the time. We saw Old Testament prophets and they would foretell of a situation that was going to happen, right? John the Baptist, first prophet that we find in the New Testament, really an Old Testament prophet that came into the New Testament, and we find his testimony there. He was prophesying, he was a prophet, prophesying of the coming of Jesus, 
foretelling what was coming. Agabus. Agabus, a prophet, met with Paul and foretold of situations that were going to happen. New Testament prophets. Um, so there is an office of prophets. In fact, uh, we won't get drug off today on this place, but there's what's called five-fold ministry that God gave instructions and gave gifts for the church that are offices, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. Is that five? Maybe. <laughs> and those offices function through God's gifts, but also through his calling for an office. Does that make sense? What Paul is writing to here is to the whole body of the church that we might be aware, not that you're walking necessarily in an office that foretells, but you're walking in a gift that could possibly be used to foretell something that might happen. So it is a part of, of this gifting. It is a supernatural ability to hear God through the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe that's what God showed me, that prophecy truly is defined as, and I think it is all-encompassing of what we're talking about today. It's the supernatural ability to hear God through the power of the Holy Spirit. that presents the heart of God to someone else. In other words, any time this gift is used, God has quickened you or God has spoken to you or God has has allowed an understanding to even enter your mind of what he desires for someone else to hear. So I was thinking about this and studying over this, and, um, <clears throat> you know, most of us, this all sounds really uh, a little bit out there and a little bit mysterious. But let me ask you, honestly, have you ever... Just raise your hand. Have you ever, ever felt like you ought to pick up the phone and call someone and check on them? Anybody here? So all of a sudden, you just think, I'm supposed to call and check on somebody. And so you call and you say, how are you doing? And the person says, oh, I have a... a you know, a really difficult situation going on and I'm just really struggling. God caused you to call that person and if you'll press into Jesus right there, 
Jesus will begin to give you understanding and truths to give to that person if you are a believer walking with the Holy Spirit. According to the measure of faith that you have. It's prophecy. I'm so sorry to hear you're going through this situation. I believe Jesus asked me to call you because I was quickened. Now, some people would say it was intuition. New age people would say that. Some people would say it's a sixth sense. Some people would say it's mama's intuition checking on their kids. But a believer believes that God is trying to awaken you to walk into what Paul says you should earnestly be seeking. How many of you thought every now and then you were supposed to call somebody and you forgot and never got around to it? Man, I've done that. Guess who missed out? We did. We missed out when we didn't join in to what God was really wanting us to do. And you didn't get to see the power of God transforming someone. Have you ever spoken to someone and, and started and said, I just have had you on my heart so much, and they break into tears? Because God is working in their heart and saying, I care through you. But because we've been afraid of this gift, we've shied away from it, and we haven't grown in this gift. Now, do I believe you can grow by teaching this gift? No, I don't believe it. Because the Bible doesn't say it. But do I believe you can grow in this gift? Absolutely I do. Because I believe that you can walk, as Paul says, being filled with the Spirit. He's saying being filled up with the Spirit. The more you walk in what God's showing you, the more you're going to be filled up. This message teeter-totters on a little place that makes me uncomfortable because I don't want people leaving here today going out and believing that just everything they say is from Jesus. I've seen that happen. It has no power, no authority. It doesn't change lives, but most importantly, it doesn't glorify Jesus. And it leaves people empty. But if you surrender, and desire earnestly, as Paul has said here, I believe God will begin to move in your understanding and he will teach you. Because it's his desire to use mankind 
as he always has, to speak into others, other people's lives. I wrote down on here that any other way to hear other than Jesus is demonic. So, you know, you see these psychics. I have people all the time on ask me on TV. You see these psychics on TV, and people ask me all the time. They'll say, so are those people, are they... How are they, are they really capable of seeing the future or knowing this? And some of it may be trickery. It may be, I don't know. But what I do know is that it is absolutely possible. And, and, and Paul even runs into this with someone, a young girl in Acts that is operating out of a gift that's not from Jesus. And it is demonic. So yes, they have a place that God has given a gift in hopes that they would see him, but they are using a place from, that is a source from the demonic, not from Jesus. call in these 800 numbers or whatever, that you're talking to demons. So I want to give you a couple of other places to um, look at. Okay, right on down the page on chapter 14, verse 22. Paul writes and he says, Therefore tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to the unbeliever. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place, oh, I'm sorry, it goes on, look down to 24, but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, he is convicted by all. So it's for believers and it's also for unbelievers. Now look down to... Um, Oh, I want to give you, yeah, I want to take you over to Matthew 7, it's on page 1118. Matthew 7. In this place of talking about prophesying and it not being from Jesus. starting in verse 21, page 1118. 
Matthew 7, verse 21, says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name then I will declare to them I never knew you depart from me you who practice lawlessness you who prophesy even in Jesus name can be someone who is not hearing from the Lord do you hear that So just because someone comes up to you and says, I've got a word from the Lord, and they start to tell you whatever it is, you have to test the spirits. You have to test the spirits. It's what uh, Paul talks about over in, in Timothy chapter 4. And he says you have to test the spirits to see whether they're from God God, whether from Jesus or not. So how do you do that? Someone comes, they prophesy, they say, hey, the Lord told me to tell you da-da-da-da-da-da-da. You have to say, thank you very much, and then you go pray about that. And the Lord will confirm for you. He will. If you are trying to test the Spirit's he will confirm for you. But oftentimes we hear something, it tickles our ears, and we just zoom off in our own accord, not realizing that wasn't even from Jesus. So you have to realize that there are people who are prophesizing, even saying, Lord, Lord. I've seen this in the church. I have witnessed this very thing in the church. Not in our church, but in churches where people claim to be walking with Jesus and allowing this to be a part of their congregation. And I say that because you have to be very aware of what you're dealing with. In the same regard, I think we have to take very serious this place of prophesying to someone else and not just take this casually. Because if you take this casually and you just make up things, which is what happens when people are trying to teach people to prophesy, then you make up things, you fall into this category. You are not prophesying out of his will. You are prophesying then out of your own desire to lift yourself up. Turn with me back to Romans 12. Page 1306, Paul continues 
to help us in these places of understanding what it means to walk as a believer, what your conduct ought to look like as a believer, what walking in a sacrificial life looks like. And so it is beyond just not conforming to the world. It is beyond just transforming your mind into his ways and his truths and being sanctified. It is also being open and useful for service in whatever God's doing in your life. Paul is telling us that if you are a believer, this is the way you should walk. And one of these places he's saying to be open to and to desire is this place of prophecy. Then he goes on in verse 7, and he also says, or ministry. God may use, prophesy you to prophesy, or he may use you in this place of ministry. So let us use it in our ministering, he says. This place of ministering, I looked this word up to see exactly what Paul was referring to, and he's actually referring to someone who provides service. He's not talking about a pastor or a preacher. He's talking to someone who is willing to be a servant. And and it goes on to show that it's like a waiter waiting on tables. That someone with a willing attitude would want to come and serve that God might be glorified through the works that they're doing and that God has called them to. We have many servants in this congregation, and I am so thankful for that. People that are eager to go and help when someone is in need. I believe that fulfills this place that he's talking about right here. And then he goes on and he says, and who teaches in teaching. He's saying, do this place. If you you see over here, he says, Having then gifts according to the grace that is given to them, let them do these because you've been given this grace to do it. We have a church full of people serving because they've been given the grace, the gift to do that in and the measure of faith to do it that God would provide. Oh my goodness, that just... I'm so aware of that place because God just provides the financial support for whatever the needs that he's doing, right? So when we come and pray about somebody has a need, then we pray and say, Lord, is this what you're doing? If he's doing it, how many of you have seen the money is always there? Always. I've not ever seen it when his money was not there for his will to be done. But then he goes on and is who, he who teaches in teaching. So those of you who are teachers and called to teach, the gift is being given. The measure of faith is being given for you to walk into that position and that gift to do what God's calling you to do. And the measure of faith is for it. <clears throat> he who exhorts, In exhortation, 
He who gives with liberty. I love this. We've talked about this place of encouragement. But let's look at this place of giving. He who gives with liberty. He's saying, you know, he who is uh, given the gift of giving. And I would say we have many people in our congregation that walk in that gift. He's saying give generously. Because I've given you this gift and I've given you the measure of faith to walk in it. And he who leads with diligence. So this place of diligence, um, I looked this up. It, it means haste and earnestness and enthusiasm. So he who leads and takes charge is going to be in charge. It's a call that we need to lead in this place of being Hey, going in haste, doing it quickly, being aware that God has called you to do this, step into it, do it with enthusiasm. And then it says, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness, this place of showing God's mercy. And so this place of mercy is a gift. And he's saying, be cheerful about this. I love the understanding of mercy. We talked about mercy um, a couple of years ago, and it's always stuck with me because mercy is, uh, you know, grace is being given what you don't deserve. I'm sorry. Uh, not, and mercy is not being given what you do deserve. Yes. Mercy is being given, is not being given what you do deserve. In other words, somebody deserves bad things, but God does good things. I see it all the time that we don't live up to what he gives us. I see it in my life all the time. He has so much mercy in my life. Let us love, I'm sorry, let love be without hypocrisy. Man, that is a calling that speaks to me right there. That we would love without being a hypocrite. These stepped on my toes. I, I hope they will uh, step on your toes and help us to, to grow in what God is calling us to be and to make sure that we don't fall into these places. He says, abhorred what is evil and cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. Does that step on anybody's toes? Continuing steadfast in prayer. Distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Wow. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. 
if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath. For as it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is a high calling that Paul starts out the chapter with, Therefore, I beseech you to make your bodies, present your bodies a living sacrifice that you would offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And then he goes through all of these things and says, here's just some of the things that he wants us to be aware of. I think all of these are places that if we really press into them can cause us to be... Paul is giving us instructions. He's, he's helping us to see. He's giving us good criticism to look at where we are that we might be challenged to come into the fullness of what he's talking about here. So I pray this week that you'll read these even daily that you would ask the Lord to bind your heart to these places and these would work in your life. Um, the Lord gave, uh, gave me a song and I've been singing it all week and um, it's funny because Abigail asked me the other day she said Granny who's your fav favorite music artist and and so I said Terry McAlman I, I thought for a minute and I thought man I like a lot of people so I don't know and I thought for a minute and I said well maybe Terry McAlman and she said who is that <laughs> and I kind of laughed and she said you know don't you like Charity Gale? And I said, oh, yes, I love Charity Gale. And she said, and Paul Wilbur. And I said, oh, yes, I love Paul Wilbur. And uh, so she was trying to encourage me to make my favorite change. <laughs> and it's difficult sometimes to know who my favorite is, but I still love Paul, uh, I mean, uh, Terry McAlman. And so this is a song by Terry McAlman, and it's, it's We Fall Down. And I pray you'll hear the words over this place. But as I was um, closing out my studies this morning, I just wrote down a few places that um, I pray might be your heart as well. And um, I, I wrote down, Lord, I do desire the gift of your spirit to work in me to the measure of faith, the fullness of the measure of faith that you've given me, that I wouldn't fall short and I wouldn't lag behind of what you've given me to be able to do. Lord, I do choose to want to live a sacrificial life, totally surrender to you, that I might be a servant submitted to your full will and your perfect will that would bring glory 
to your great name and show your heart to others. I pray you'll stand with me.
Hallelujah.